some people were asking me, you know, to go ahead and go through the book of James because that was my intention. And uh, as of this morning, I didn't know. So what you're probably going to get is a compilation of uh, something between a Christmas message and James. So um, we just pray that the Lord will lead, you know, like we always do. So I'm going to begin by reading Luke, Luke 2, 1 through 7. This uh, little section of verses describes Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. starts, Now in these days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census was to be taken of all that inhabited earth. This was the first census taken. While Quirinius was the governor of Caesarea. Pardon me, man, I'm having a bad time today. Then everyone was on his way to register for the census, each in his own city. Joseph went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which was called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. In order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child, while they were there, the days were accomplished for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes, cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room in the inn. Lord God Almighty, we thank you for these words. We pray for your blessing upon this message. We pray that it would be just exactly what you intend for it to be. Lord, bless it that it will feed your people. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. A lot of times we lean on that verse. You'll find that verse plastered on plaques and cups and, um, I don't know, silverware. It's on shirts. It's on shoes. Anything... You know, anything uh, carnal that can be sold to Christians, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We motivate each other with that. Uh, Christians will speak those words before any and all events, praying for God's blessing on them. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But Uh, But it becomes a source of divine encouragement when you understand that God believes in you, He wants to strengthen you, and He wants to use you. He wants you to use you for His will and His purpose here on earth. When God is the one doing something, it reaches an entirely new level, doesn't it? When we do something in our own motivation, our own strength, we can accomplish a certain amount, can't we? But when God becomes a part of the element, all of a sudden, everything reaches a new level. Reaches a new level because it can. Because it can reach a new level. That's why it's so important that we know, that we understand what it is that God is asking us as Christians to do. God may just simply be asking you to represent Him here on earth and be somebody's friend. That doesn't, that's not real hard. That doesn't take a lot. If you're a friendly person, you can accomplish that pretty easy. But what, what, if, what if you're not a friendly person? What if you're not naturally a friendly person? You're a Christian, but you're not really friendly. And, uh, and most of the time, honestly... You're really pretty nasty to people, and God asks you to be a friendly person. The pastor comes and said, John, we need you to be the greeter. You know, the greeter of a church is really an important person. People think the greeter greeter of the church is just kind of there to open the door. No, the, the greeter of the church is the first person somebody meets when they come into the church. And if you have somebody who is just naturally... Not a nice person? That's not a good thing. But we don't choose people based on their natural abilities, do we? 
So it's really important when you're doing something that God's blessing is on it. We need His Spirit in it. Now that's just a really simple little little uh, example. That's not hard. If you take that verse, Philippians 4.13, and you put that verse in its rightful context, that was Paul's statement in response to identifying all of the things that God had required of him. What had God required of him? God required him to leave his family. He left his home. He left all of his areas of influence. He traveled around the known world. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was kicked out of cities. He was whipped. He was uh, physically broken. By the time Paul reached Rome, where he was thrown into a Roman prison, where honestly very few people actually left alive, he was a beaten up little old man. That's what God asked him to do. And he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's on a whole, a whole other level, isn't it? That's on a totally different level. No matter what God asked of him, Paul knew that he could do it through Christ. He could do it through Christ who would give him strength. Sometimes God asks us to do things and we are very cautious. We're very hesitant to do that. We're like, I just don't know if I can be successful in that. That's, that is not in my realm of uh, my circle, my, my comfort zone. That is not something that I am comfortable doing. In fact, that's something that I'm pretty sure I can't do. So, God, you've got to ask somebody else. Ask somebody else that they'll, that they'll do that, because I can't do that. God may ask you to minister to some person that you are literally afraid of. It's not just out of your comfort zone, but it's on a level that you are afraid of. Does that verse come into play there? For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, if Mary had had that verse... If Mary had had Paul's words, do you think that would have encouraged her? Think about Mary's situation. Did you notice, as I was reading there, verse 5, verse 5 says, refers to Mary. Mary was engaged to him, who is Joseph. So Mary was engaged to Joseph and what? Was with child. She was pregnant. They were not married. Do you know what the penalty for premarital sex and getting pregnant before you're married? Do you know what the penalty was for that? Penalty for that was stoning. Now I can think of a lot of ways that I could die, be okay. Stoning's not on the list. Stoning was harsh. Stoning was horrific. I can't even imagine such a thing these days. But that's what it says. And what's not in the verse, which of course you know, because you've read other parts, Joseph wasn't the father. Joseph was not the father of that baby. Put that into modern context, if you had a girlfriend and you wanted to marry her and all of a sudden she came to you and, and you'd been doing it the right way, you'd been doing everything right. You'd been doing everything right. She comes to you and she says, I'm pregnant. What's the response of most gentlemen going to be? They're going to say, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. You've, you've, you've been, you know, distancing yourself from me. But apparently there's someone else that you haven't been distancing yourself from. This brings a whole new uh, meaning for social distancing, doesn't it? 
But that's the situation that we have right there. And, and uh, first of all, Mary's terrified. She says, I haven't done anything wrong. She pleads with Joseph, I, I, I've, I've been faithful to you. If she'd have had that verse right there, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I think that would have been a big help for her right at that time. That would have been a big help for Joseph too. Because not just Joseph knows that they're not married and yet she's pregnant. The whole village knows. Everybody knows. This was before social media, but things traveled fast. Especially something like that. Everybody knows. Everybody's aware. Joseph had every right to put her away and not marry her. He had every right to do that. One of the main points of that passage there is that God is with us. God is with us. Whatever the situation that God puts us in, God puts us in some mighty awkward situations, doesn't he? A lot of times you're very uncomfortable with them. You're like, God, why am I really here? I don't have any special skills for this. And God says, that's exactly why you're there. Because you don't have skills. Because if you don't have skills, we've got to lean on God, right? That's the whole point. God gets the glory. If you walk into some situation and piece of cake for you, God doesn't get the glory. You do. But God deserves the glory. And so he puts us in situations where we are totally unequipped, completely unequipped. Why is that? The minute we walk in, we're praying. The minute we walk in, we're like, God, help me with this. Help me with this one. Because it's all you. That's what God wants. That's exactly what God wants. God wants the glory. I believe God is calling us. I believe God is calling you. He's calling us as a church. He's calling you to new things. He's calling all of us to new things. 2020 has been a crazy year. Most of us probably, you know, New Year's Eve, we're not going to be celebrating New Year's. We're not going to be celebrating 2021. We're going to be celebrating the death of 2020. And we'll, maybe we'll have a funeral. It's like, praise God, that's gone. Because it's been a rough year. But God is calling us to something new. Sometimes in the past year, it's been like, God, I can't even get through this without your help. You know, it just, it's insane. The insanity of it. The insanity of the election that we have just watched. It's unbelievable. Couldn't deal with it without God. But God has turned us. God's turned us. When Mary was pregnant with baby Jesus, God was starting something new. There was something new that was happening with with Mary and with the baby, and nobody there had any idea at all what was going to transpire. They had no idea the magnitude that the birth of Jesus was going to bring about. The birth of Jesus was was a complete, this is a game changer. This was absolutely a game changer. Everything was changing. You know that saying, when a baby comes, everything changes? Well, this is a big one. Everything really did change in a huge way. Nobody even could see it coming. They had no idea what was coming. What they saw was a physical little baby. But this was a new work, a new work of God. This this started something that 
was not just out of someone's imagination. I'm talking about some religions that are, that are kind of cultish, and they come up with their own scripture, quote, scripture. And it comes out of somebody's imagination. They really should have been a science fiction writer. They probably could have made a lot of money doing that. They're very creative. And what they wrote was a creative work. That wasn't this. That wasn't that had nothing to do with the birth of Jesus. The birth of Jesus was sparking something new. The birth of Jesus was fulfilling all of the prophecies of Scripture, the Old Testament. The Jews knew that. They knew that old Scripture very well. They, they knew it. There were, there were only a few scrolls around. They had to go to synagogues to hear, to hear them read. They didn't pick it up and carry it around. They didn't have it on their cell phone or something. But they knew it very well. They should have recognized the signs. Apparently there were some wise men who did recognize the signs. They were all there. And Jesus in his little short life, 30 some odd years, fulfilled all of those prophecies. But God was rolling out something new with Jesus. And people, most people couldn't see it. Most people didn't want to see it. During that time that Jesus was there, no one would have imagined what God was going to do because God put a higher call on his people. Some of them couldn't take it. Some of them couldn't take the call, and they left. And Jesus was left with just a few. There was just a few people who really believed in him, who were still following him. And even they struggled at the last moment. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. For those, for those disciples who, even though they didn't have that verse, for those disciples who, would, who were actually able to do that, they saw fabulous things. They saw amazing things. That's what God wants for us. You know, it's too easy to sit here and listen to somebody read some scripture, talk a little bit about God, and you walk out the door, and it's just like the words are dead. These words are not dead. Words are not dead because God's not dead. God is alive. God is working. God is rolling out something new. He's rolling out something new now, just like he did when Jesus came onto the scene. There's something new God's doing. We can't see it. Just like back then when they looked at that little baby, you know how it is when someone brings a little baby in. Oh, got to hold the baby. Isn't he cute? Look at him drool. You know, everything a baby does is cute, right? Well, most things that a baby does is cute. Some things involving diapers we don't deal with. But, but that, was, that was how they were seeing Jesus, just a baby. You know, after a while, the, the events around his birth kind of died out. They forgot about it. Joseph and Mary got married. All of that all settled down. It was all taken care of. They kind of forgot about it. But the thing that God was doing was still moving on. It was still moving on. What God's doing now, we can't see it. You know, it's, it's, it's easy to get discouraged. The, the battle, the constant battle, the struggle um, gets us down. We need to keep our eyes on what is it that God's doing. Galatians 4, 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the, the law. So, this here just tells us that Jesus came into a world, that Jesus had a birth, like a normal birth, just like any other child. And then when the time was right, when the time was ready, when it was God's time, that is, Jesus didn't just happen randomly. Too many people want to look at Scripture and they're thinking, oh, things just happen randomly. They're, no, things are orchestrated. Events are orchestrated. Events don't just happen. 
Jesus was born at exactly the right time, in exactly the right place, to exactly the right people. It was orchestrated. It was planned. Jesus came to a specific place, to a specific people, in a specific time. And when you look at that from a historical perspective, you realize that the events surrounding Jesus' birth and then his death could only have happened at that time. That's only could have happened. But God planned all of that out. He planned out that it would be Mary. He planned out that it would be Joseph. All of that was planned. Nothing is random. When we go about our life these days, it seems like there's a whole lot of random to our life, doesn't it? But I'll tell you, if you will start looking for opportunities, you say, God, how can I serve you today? God, I want to do one thing today for you. God will give you the opportunity. You need to keep your eyes out. You need to be looking for that. It's not just randomness. You're going to meet people. I talk about this all the time, I know. You're going to meet people at the strangest place. And they're going to want five minutes of your time. If you're willing to give them five minutes of your time, God will do something with that. It's not just random. We're not just in that place at that time. Randomly. said, God is working. God is bringing about things. God makes things happen. So Christ didn't come when he did just randomly. You and I are where we are. We're in this building. We're here together because God divinely appointed this event. It's not just by chance that we're here. God is doing something. He's doing something new. And when we bury 2020 and put that behind us, we're looking to a new horizon. That is past. We're here because of a heavenly directive. You know, the kicker of the process is that um, we don't play into what God is doing like we think we will. If we come to the realization that God has put us here, you know, I came to the realization that God had put me here to do what I do for Pastor Mike and for this church. But it's not like I thought it would be. And the talents that I have don't play into what I do. Actually, what I do best for God is when I, I put everything that I am by myself, when I put it behind me and I let God work. I have to let God take control and be in charge. I have to make myself a servant, make myself subservient to him. Because God doesn't put us in places where we're comfortable. If, if God directs you to do something for the people of this church, to serve in some way, and you're like, well, I'm really good at cooking, so I'll cook. That's really nice. But maybe God is calling you to a different ministry somewhere. Maybe God is calling you to serve in some other place where you're not comfortable. I'm not saying you can't serve where you're comfortable. I'm just saying that we need to be aware that God sometimes is pulling us in another direction. Where God really needs somebody and you're the perfect person for that but you won't feel comfortable there. Do you think Mary felt comfortable? I mean, I know no pregnant woman feels comfortable, okay? That's just an uncomfortable situation. But do you think she felt comfortable at the 
circumstances surrounding that. Mary, Mary would have been terrified. She realized that her husband literally had the authority of life or death over her. He, he literally had her future in his hands. And if God had chosen somebody who, who was not like Joseph, the outcome might have been very different. But God knew exactly who he needed to, to, to be Jesus' father, his natural father. He knew exactly who that was. That was preordained. Do you think Joseph felt uncomfortable in that situation? You know, these days it's really no big deal if, if, uh, if a girl shows up pregnant and she's not married. We just shrug it off. No, back in those days, it was a big deal. Those two were very uncomfortable. They were extremely uncomfortable. I can't even express how uncomfortable they were. God put them in that situation to fulfill a specific purpose, and today, if that event had not taken place, we wouldn't even be here. If that event had not taken place, Gentiles, like you and me, we we are the Gentiles, there wouldn't be a place for us in God's family. Jesus literally opened the door so that you and I can have a place in God's family. Literally. And if they hadn't been willing to be uncomfortable, where would that leave us? It would leave us nowhere. That's where. It would leave us without a place at all. But by their being willing to step into what God was doing... He, he opened up a whole new place for us. Now, if that hadn't worked out with Joseph and Mary, is there an alternative plan? Well, it probably wasn't an alternative plan, but God works things that are meant for evil. He makes them for good, right? So God has a way of working out those issues. Praise God. He works out those issues. So when somebody is unwilling to do whatever it is that God asks them to do, God either uses somebody else or he opens up a new way. That's not really a big problem for him. But you know what? There's a blessing when we serve. When we do what God has told us to do, there's a blessing in that. And if we tell God no, then we don't get the blessing. And that's a real shame because sometimes sometimes the blessing is huge. Sometimes when you do something for someone else or when you do something for God, what you walk away with yourself is like, you know, it's like, it's like you did something for someone and they have this big, beautiful, whatever it is in their garage and you've always wanted one and you're just like, you, and he's, they're giving it to you. Here, take this. I don't want it anymore. And you're like, you got to be crazy. You're giving me that. That's insane. You know, you helped them out with some little problem and you walk away with the prize. That's how it is when we serve God. When we do something for God, we're just like, you know, I did that little thing, I washed the dishes, or I fed the dog, or whatever, and you walk away, and you got a prize. You never expected anything for it. That's how it is when we serve God. And if you refuse to do whatever that is that God asked you to do, you walk away with nothing. You walk away empty-handed. You kept your pride, or whatever it was. You know, you didn't have to feel uncomfortable for a little while. But you got nothing. You walk away with nothing. That's how God works. That's how God works. He put a little prompt in your heart. Go do this. Call this person. Talk to that person. Ask that person how they are. Some little thing. And you're like, oh, I'm not really good talking to strangers. I get really uncomfortable. My armpits get all sweaty and I get clammy. And it's just really not a good thing. But if you do, if you do, the reward for doing that is huge. What do you think the reward for Joseph and Mary would be? 
for having that baby, raising that child, watching that child be grown to full grown, watching him being crucified, what do you think their reward is? I have no idea what their reward would be. I know that the primary part of their reward is not on this earth. It's a heavenly reward. It's huge. It's huge. They raised the Savior. They raised the Savior of the world. You think when they look back on that time, and they say, you remember? Remember the ridicule we went through? Remember when these people were talking about us like that? Remember when everyone wanted to stone you, Mary? That would be intense. But now, now they've got the reward. And they look at that and they say, wow, I'm so glad. I'm so glad we did that. You know, we get that kind of a feeling when we serve God too. If you have the opportunity to do something for God and you see somebody come to the Lord, it's like, wow. Think that you even thought about not responding because that person's salvation depended on you being obedient. Can't even imagine. Can't even imagine that. You know, when this whole thing started, an angel appeared to Mary. The angel appeared to Mary and started unpacking what God had for her. So this whole thing started with a vision. It started with the angel appearing. And you know, when most angels appear in the, in the Bible... They're not that cute little chubby baby that flies around with a little bow and arrow, you know, and hearts. That's not, that's not the angel I'm talking about. The angels in the Bible are terrifying. They're huge. Every angel that ever appears in the Bible, first words out of their mouth are, don't be afraid. Don't be scared, because they're terrifying. They're huge. They're scary. First words out of their mouth, don't be afraid. So it starts with a vision. You think Mary, what do you think Mary, how do you think she responded when that angel appeared? Remember that probably Joseph and Mary were teenagers at this age. You know, every nativity scene, I don't know what we got here. Every nativity scene I've ever seen Joseph looks like an old guy, like he's 80 years old. Joseph was not 80 years old. They both were probably teenagers. They were scared. They were terrified. I would have been terrified. The angel says, don't be afraid. The thing is, when an angel appears... We always want to focus on the angel because he's huge and he's impressive. But don't focus on the angel. That's not the message. The important part is the message, right? The important part is what does the angel have to say from God? The angel's just the messenger, a very impressive messenger, but he's just the messenger. 
So we need to focus on what's the message. Um, one version of the Bible in verse 28 says, Hail, but I like rejoice better. Rejoice. Be happy. Be happy. There are several reasons to be happy. One of them is that you have God's favor. You're in God's favor. Is that great when we're in God's favor? Oh, that's good. That's very good. We want to stay in God's favor as long as we can. When we get out of his favor, I'm telling you, if, if God disciplines you, you won't forget. Trust me, you won't forget. Been there, done that. You don't forget. And you don't ever do it again either. So we need to be in God's favor. The angel said, the Lord is with you. Is that a good thing? Oh, that's a good thing. We want God with us. We want his Holy Spirit to be with us. We want the guidance of the Lord to be with us. And then he says, you have been chosen. You've been chosen. Mary, Mary, you've been chosen. Any idea what, what that meant at that time? None. She had no idea. She was going to go through a very difficult time. Very difficult time. We know that raising kids has its ups and downs. You know, the time from when baby Jesus was a baby until the time he became an adult, that's, that's not always easy. And Jesus was probably harder than other children. How many children do you know that end up in the synagogue teaching the people in the synagogue? We've all hunted for our kids, right? But I never found one there. And how awkward. How awkward. You're going to go in, you're going to go in and you're going to, uh, you're going to crash their party in there. Uh, it's not just any party, by the way. The chief priests and elders are all in there, and they're all listening to Jesus, and you're going to go in there and grab your kid by the arm and say, come on, we're getting out of here. That's really awkward. So she had no idea what she was going through. She had no idea that she was going to stand there one, one day and watch him hanging on a cross. How tough would that be? But that's what he was born for. When they laid Jesus down in a manger, when he was born in the stable, did you ever make that connection? Jesus was born in the stable with the animals. Jesus was a sacrifice from the very beginning. He was a sacrifice. That would be really difficult to know. I'm not sure Mary knew that very much before the beginning. I don't think... She knew that. I don't think she could have handled something like that. But he was born in a stable. He was intended to be a sacrifice. So you're chosen. You're chosen. Something to rejoice over that God has determined that we're worthy of serving him. Think about how huge that is. I don't know about you, but a lot of times, uh, a lot of times I have, I have self-esteem issues. I've never admitted that before, I don't think, on air before 20 million people. But I do. I have self-esteem issues. It doesn't have anything to do with my height. It doesn't have anything to do with the fact that I don't have hair. <laughs> that has no issue. I just don't feel capable of serving God like, like, like he intends me to. But I'm glad he chose me. And I serve him the best that I can. And you know what? God takes the little thing that I do and he turns it into just what he needs. It's just like, just like the loaves and the fishes, you know? All we have is a little lunch here. and We've got a whole lot of people. And somehow or other, God's able to make it stretch. So the little thing that we do, the little itty bitty thing that we do, God covers it. Just what he needs. He says, thank you. That's what I needed. Just your little bit. So when God leads you into something and you say, man, I can't do that. No, go ahead. Do it.
do it because God's grace covers it. Thank God. Thank God it covers it. We're really happy that it covers it. So the angel appeared. Fear not. Fear not. Um, you know, the critical moment comes. Critical moment comes from the words, how shall it be? She said, how shall it be? How is this even possible? How can we bring this about to pass? You know, you know what one of the big messages of this is? That a lot of things that God does doesn't require a connection to people. It requires a connection to Him. We need to have a connection with Him. You know, it makes this whole thing of Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus makes men feel really insignificant, doesn't it? Because we didn't need Joseph for that part of this process, right? He was just there. Jesus needed an earthly father. He needed that. But the connection that happened was between Mary and the Holy Spirit. It happened because of that connection. We always remember that God brings miraculous events about. God brought other people from barrenness to blessedness, even if he used different methods. Curtis, how much time do I have? I can't see the clock. Five minutes? All right. So Mary said, be it unto me. Be it unto me according to your word. That's willingness. When God puts something in front of you, and you look at that, and you say, oh, no, not that. Please, not that. And you're just like, I cannot do that. I can't. I hate that. You know, I hate that. I hate fish. I do not want to, yeah, anything to do with fish. I, no, no, please, God, I, I, can't, I can't stand it. And then you realize that God provides. You realize that the Holy Spirit provides. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. For God and you step forward into that. You know, there's a, I, I'm not a big movie watcher anymore. I used to be, but um, one of those Indiana Jones movies, one of my favorite movies, uh, I think it was like um, The Search for the Holy Grail or something. I can't remember the title for sure, but, but they were looking for the Holy Grail. I remember that. And uh, they were up in the mountains somewhere, and there were these huge crevasses everywhere, they had to get across this one, and uh, the main character is looking at this distance across here. There's nothing there. And this thing is huge. It's so deep you can't see the bottom. And he remembers his dad's notebook, because his dad had written down notes on there. And it said something there, step into, or step in faith. And so you watch him, and he, he starts to take a step into nothingness. And the minute his foot, the second his foot gets there, the stepping stone appears. He takes one more step. The second he gets there, the stepping stone appears. But I'm telling you, that's a great example for walking in faith with God. It's not going to be there until you take a step. That ability that you need to have to have confidence, to have self-confidence, it's not going to be there until you do it. It won't be there. You can stand there all day on the ledge and it won't be there. It's just not there. Because until you take a step in faith, you're working in your own strength. You're working in your own abilities. We have to realize that in order to do God's work, we got to put all that aside. We got to put our own strength aside. We got to put our own abilities aside. Because it's not about that. 
It's about God. It's about his strength. It's about him putting our abilities in there. God provides it. You know, when we, when we go to do whatever that is that God's asked us, we may miss by a mile. We may shoot in completely the wrong direction. And somehow or other, God turns it all around and gets it done. Whenever I stand up here and I'm going to bring a message to you, I go through the same thing. I'm like, I can't do this, God. You know, I'm really an introvert. I really like my books and stuff. This kind of thing terrifies me. But when, seriously, but when I walk up here, I say, God, between my mouth and their ears, change it to how it needs to be. And he does. He does. Somebody will come and they'll say, oh, that was wonderful. I'm saying, what on earth? I said, that was a mess. That was seriously a mess. But God transforms it. God does the same thing for for you. When he asks you to do something, you're like, I don't talk to people. You know, I stutter a lot. But God fixes it all. God fixes everything. Mary and Joseph had to travel quite a ways to get to where they needed to be. And I'm going to wrap it up with this. Because we have to be at the right place at the right time. Joseph and Mary were not where they needed to be. The time was right, the culture was right, but the place was wrong. And God, through miraculous events, got Mary and Joseph where they needed to be. They had to be willing to leave where they were. You know, sometimes we have to be willing, in order to serve God, we have to be willing to leave where we are and go somewhere else. Maybe that is an actual city. Maybe it's where you work. Maybe it's where you live. Maybe it's an entire different country. Who knows? God leads you in that. But Joseph and Mary had to go. You know the one thing that I know for sure about Mary that's not in the Bible, but I know for sure because I have children and I know what my wife was like during that time. My wife didn't want to go on a long walk like that. She's not. She's not going to be happy about that. Come on, Mary. We gotta we gotta go walk to Boise. No, I don't think so. She's not gonna be happy about that at all. You know, shortly after they arrived in their destination, she gave birth. That tells me that she was pretty uncomfortable. But we gotta be in the right place. Getting in the right place where God can use us sometimes is not easy. There again, your comfort zone, right? No, I'm very happy living in Jerome. I've lived in Jerome for many, many, many years. You know, you can tell by all of the stuff I've accumulated during that time. Been here for a while. It's very comfortable. The couch sort of fits my body, you know. I don't want to move. Besides that, who wants to haul all of this stuff? Yeah, I've got experience moving lately, right? No, but we need to be where God wants us. God may move you to a different church. He may have moved you from a church to here. And you came in here and you said, I'm really uncomfortable. This is not my comfort zone. I don't know these people. The color of the carpet is weird. I just don't know if I can do it. But sometimes God moves you from one place to another because he's going to do a work. God's got a plan. He moved Mary and Joseph. He moved Mary and Joseph so that what? Why did he move Mary and Joseph? Because they had to fulfill prophecy. Everything about Jesus' birth fulfilled prophecy. Everything. Right down to the last nth degree. Fulfilled prophecy. They had to be willing to do like God moved them in order for that to happen. That's a miracle in itself, isn't it? Absolutely. 
Absolutely is. It's absolutely a miracle. So God wants us to be at the right place at the right time. And he orchestrates that. Today, if you're not a Christian, but you've thought about being a Christian, you felt like God's moving you, maybe you're afraid, maybe you don't know what that means, maybe everything I've said today terrifies you, but I want to encourage you, don't, don't be afraid, don't be afraid to become a Christian. God provides in amazing ways, in ways that you'll never see if you're not, in ways that you'll never see if you don't step out in God's will and allow Him to direct you to serve Him. I want to encourage you to take that step right now. I'm going to ask you to pray with me just a second, and I want you to search your heart, search where you're at, are you, are you really truly submitted to God's will? You know, maybe you've been a Christian for 30 years. Search your heart too and say, am I submitted to God's will? Sometimes we get things out of order. We get things in the way. And today we just want to set that right. If you're not a Christian, I want you to pray. And if you are a Christian, I also want you to pray. But I want you to ask the Lord, is there something you need to change? Is there something that stops you from having God's best? Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, today we just open our hearts to you, Lord. We want to completely submit to you, Lord. Father, the, the life that we've led in the last year has been difficult in many respects, and God, just help us put that behind us. Help us put behind us a past that, whatever kind of a past that we've led that was not God-honoring. God, we want to put that past us. We know, Lord, that you forgive all. You forgive us. And we ask for that forgiveness right now. We ask for a new start. We ask for a new service to you, Lord. Father, bless us as we move forward. Give us the blessing of the direction of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, just help us to be able to be responsive and trusting, knowing that you've got our back. We pray these things in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer.